Guys, it is so good to be back here. I got to get lunch, the lunch that they mentioned. I get to get lunch at the dining hall. It's so good to be back. They asked me if I missed the dining hall food. And I said I didn't really miss the food, but I did miss the fact that there's just food to prepared, you know? Like you just grab a plate and you get some food and it's made and then you just put your plate away. No dishes, no like planning out meals and stuff like that. So that is, is there are some positives to dining hall food. But seriously, it's so good to be back here with you all. I was just thinking about this just a second ago while we were singing that last song. About halfway through my time here, um, who knows Aaron Keys? Does anyone know Aaron Keys? Not super well known. Yeah. So we, so we got a couple people that know Aaron Keys. He's a, a worship leader, such an awesome guy. If you want to check out his stuff, I mean, he's on Spotify and everything. Um, Aaron Keys. If you've heard the song Sovereign Over Us, he wrote that. Lots of songs. Abide, um, he wrote that if you've heard those. Anyways, he went to Furman. And about halfway, a long time ago, and about halfway through my time here, I remember my dad got to talk with him, and he came back, and he was so excited. He was like, I was talking to Aaron Keys, and he, he said he loved his time at Furman. That, those years were the times where he fell in love with Jesus. Like, he really fell in love with Jesus. And that was super cool, but at the time where I was at, where I was at in that, it was about halfway through my my time here. That was not the case. Like, I, I still was seeking to follow Jesus, but to use the terms, like, fall, that's where I had fallen in love with Jesus, just didn't resonate. That wasn't really, that didn't feel true. But looking back, like, this, the second half, and um, as I look back and as I come back now, I really think I can say those same words, that these years were the years where that God used in my life uh, yeah, to make me fall in love with Jesus. And so I really look on this, this time, y'all season with fondness, but I also recognize, like I said, that may not be where you're at right now, but that's my heart for you, is that these years would be years where you really do fall in love with Jesus. So... All that was just intro that was not planned, so you can start the clock now. Um, okay, a couple of quick things, and before we jump in. Uh, one, I get to work as the college coordinator at, college ministry coordinator, at North Hills Church. I was wearing a North Hills shirt in that one picture. Um, so that's in Taylor's, it's about 20 minutes towards like Denwood Hampton, about 20 minutes away. If anyone is interested in getting plugged in a church, I would love to help. So let me know. I'm, and you guys have such good leadership team. Talk to somebody. Um, I'd love to help you get plugged in. At North Hills, we are having a class. And I just this is just one thing that I wanted to throw out to y'all, if y'all are interested. Um, the A... Uh, Seminary professor, the uh, president of Forum Theological Seminary in Charlotte, is coming down to do a, his name is Michael Kruger, to do a class on Can I Trust the Gospels? Um, 
And so such a good question. He went to UNC Chapel Hill, was taught by Bart Ehrman, if that name means anything. Um, you can ask Dr. Wordle about that name. Um, but he was taught under Bart Ehrman, and then he was, uh, went to the University of Edinburgh, studied, and now just spends his life teaching people uh, the reliability of Scripture and the Gospels and and real hard evidence for why we, these, we can bank our life on these on these texts. So if that interests you, it is it does there is a cost, but there are some of these flyers out in the back when you leave. Okay, you can just sign up. There's always really good food. So if if you just need some meals, um, there's really good food there. Okay, that's it for for the uh, the little things. Let's dive in. To, we're going to be in 1 Peter, and I'm going to read a section, a long section to us, um, because Paul says to Timothy, in 1 Timothy he says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. So we don't often do this, we don't often like read extended texts, but I want to do that. As a, he said, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, so as we do that, um, just let it wash over you. And when you're tempted, when your mind is tempted to kind of like wander, just offer that back to the Lord and, and come back to where we're at in the passage as I read. Does that sound good? All right, I'm going to pray for us and then, I'll, and then I'll read. Father, I want to confess something that's very obvious, and that is that I am not God, and I am very thankful that that is so, that that's the way it is. And no human being in this room is God, and so that's why we, right now, are turning our eyes to you. That's why we're looking to you, and uh, I call upon your words in Jeremiah. You say, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? So our eyes are on you. We need those words to be true, God. We need, uh, we, we offer up our time, our hearts in dependence on you, that your word would be like fire and would be like a hammer breaking rocks, um, that's chains or fears or sins or anxieties, depressions, whatever that is, I pray that um, your word would do that, Jesus, and call people to yourself. We offer this to you and trust you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, First Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read through the whole chapter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. That's what we just sang. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, that is that living hope, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown, that is Jesus, before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory, all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. 
And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, have you ever met somebody who was free? And I don't mean who was free to just do whatever they wanted or say whatever they wanted. I mean somebody who was really free. Like, free enough to actually show concern for you. Free enough to, like, give you time and attention to hear what you had to say. They were free enough to not need the conversation to be about them, but also could be open about their own struggles. They didn't need to make other people look bad. They didn't need to talk behind their back. Or somebody who's so free that it feels like, it feels like they kind of, everything is theirs, like they own everything, you know? Have you ever met somebody like that? It's like they, like they own everything but don't have to hold on to anything. Jesus was this person. Jesus was that free. He was the most full, healthy, satisfied person to ever walk on the earth. I feel like our culture, do you guys hear a lot about like being healthy like in many different ways, right? Like just imagine, imagine all the different ways that we hear about being healthy, mentally, emotionally, so many different ways. Jesus was like the, the fullness of that. Totally free, like totally full and healthy, satisfied. Um, just imagine him walking around. Like, okay, I just want to share this passage that this is what his enemies said of him. This is Jesus's, maybe enemies, this is strong, the, the people who were opposing him said of him. They said, teacher, we know that you are true. Pause there. We know that you are true. Like, imagine if somebody just said, like, this is, the best way to describe you is you're just true. And do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. So imagine Jesus just, like, so free from other people's opinions, but also so full of compassion, right? Like, we can so quickly swing to the other side of, like, yeah, I don't care about other people's opinions. Um, like so free from what they thought of him, but also so full of compassion for where they were at. Here's the, the big point for tonight. Jesus sets people that free. Jesus sets you free. Free from bitterness, from past hurts, free from having to hold things against people or have to talk behind their back. There are so many ways that Jesus sets you free, and this is just the one that we want to like 
just soak in tonight. Like, Jesus sets you that free to, to love others, um, to love enemies, to not hold things against them. So we tend to think of Christianity, I don't know if you're like this, but this is somehow sometimes what I think of it as, as like a straitjacket. Like, do this, don't do this. Um, do less of this, do more of this, be better at this. And there are rules, like we don't shy away from commands that Jesus gives us as his followers. But listen to how the psalmist describes God's commands. He says, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. So here's, here's the reality. It's actually the opposite of the way we normally think. We think, like, my heart is this big, and God's trying to cram me down into these little rules and, like, restrict all these things, you know, whatever it is, whatever the, the rule that just... that." gets at us. And the psalmist says, God, my heart actually isn't big enough to run free in your commandments. Like your, so another passage says, I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. So I know this is hard for our minds to even get, but because we just think of it the opposite way. But like the prayer is, God, would you make my heart big enough to run free in the way that you, you, you command us. What's, if Jesus had one command, what was it? Like if you could boil it down, what's his, like he said to his disciples, like a new commandment I give to you that you love the Lord your God and, and love one another, like love neighbor. So here's my prayer, and I, and I wish we could spend so much time on this, that Jesus would set you free, or to use the psalmist's words, to that he would enlarge your heart to run in love for one another, for the Lord and for one another. that he would set you free, he would enlarge your heart to run in the way of his commandments. So another way to say that second psalm um, that I mentioned, uh, it says, to all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. And another way to translate when he says, when you enlarge my heart, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart, is to, for you have set my heart free. I will run in the way of your commandments for you have set my heart for free. So if nothing else, like that's my prayer for you tonight and for going from tonight, that God would um, set your heart free to run in his commandments. So you would see that as freedom and not, and not him like trying to, like I mentioned earlier, like cram you into this narrow life. Okay. How are we doing on time? What time is it? Am I already like 10 minutes over? <laughs> I'm good? Okay. I just want to, real quick, because I haven't even touched on First Peter, what we just read. Um, 
what are some of the ways that, what keeps us from doing that? You can throw them out. Like, what are some of the things that keep us from, from loving one another or from being free from, like, bitterness? Just think, think of maybe some of the, the relationships you're struggling with. What are the things that, that kind of keep us bound from running free in love towards others and towards the Lord? Forgiveness? Yep. I heard gossip. Pride. Pride. Yep. Comparison. Yep. Yep. Yeah. These are all such good examples. And Peter actually, we stopped right before Peter mentions these. The, ignore the chapters. Jesus said, or Jesus, uh, Jesus says through Peter. Look at chapter 2, verse 1, right after what we just read. So put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. What are these things, those things that he just mentioned there? So, too many papers. Um, So, oh, I thought I had. So listen to this. He just listed five, but I think we hear those words and it's like Christianese. Like we don't really know what that means. Malice. I hate that person who has wronged me. Deceit. I will get whatever I want at whatever cost. Or I cannot let this person know the truth. Hypocrisy. These are some of the things that you guys mentioned and Peter just mentions. I need you to think of me a certain way. These are things that keep us bound from like loving one another. Envy, I need what you have. Slander, I need to put you down so that I look okay. Or I need you to look bad so that I look good. So, to just summarize, I think 1 Peter 1, the chapter we just read, and that verse, there are two things we see. There's so many others we could touch on, but from 1 Peter 1, two things. One is impurity, like of our hearts. We talked about, just talked, mentioned some of those. Our motives are so mixed, like even in our best efforts to love one another, right? Or even in our best efforts to love one another, my motives are so mixed, like I got to, can I get this from this person? Like, can I, even me staying up here, like, like, can I get some, like, this approval from people? Even our best efforts are, are, are tainted by mixed motives, if we're honest with ourselves. So impurity and imperishability. We don't really think about that as, a, as a, something that keeps us from love. But think about this. Think about this. You're running out of time. Like, you've got to get to, the, to this uh, career. You've got to get to the next job and this wife or husband or whatever, like, whatever it is, this house. And it's like, all these things are, what did, what did Peter say? The opposite of our living hope. They're perishable, fading, and defiled. Like, there's a there's a... There's an end and we're running out of time. And the way God sets us free to love 
is he gives you a living hope. He gives you a living hope that will never fade or, or defile or, or perish. So we see this in, there's so many examples of this. We see this in, in Hebrews. It says that, let me just read it to you. Actually, I'm not going to do that. So we see this in, in Hebrews. He says, it, the, the writer is, is talking to people who um, had, who had just experienced so much persecution, and it, he, said, he says that they gladly accepted the plundering of their property. They had compassion on those who were sick, and they gladly accepted the plundering of their property. Why? He says, because you knew that you had a better hope and an abiding one. So something in, in me is like, I want that. Like, I want what they have that I would actually say, yeah, you can have the land. You can have my house. You can have, you know, this. You gladly accepted the plunder of property because you knew you had a better possession. Like, that's real. That's not just church talk. Like, somebody's coming and taking your land and your property, and you're saying, I know a better hope and an abiding one. So I wish we could tease out all the ways that, like, I mean, you guys can do it. You guys, like, can work out all the ways that sets you free to love people. I was just reading a biography on Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He's, he knew that he didn't have to scrape and scrap for his life. He was a prisoner in Nazi Germany. And he knew he didn't have to, he could share with his, prison, his fellow prisoners because he knew, like, I have a hope that they don't. And, and I can pour out my life to them. Um, so the imperishable hope, the living hope, and the purity that Jesus washes us with. So on your own, tease out those implications of how does a hope free me to love now? And how does Jesus wash me from those impurities to love people? So let me just give you one example to help you as you work that out. Um, So, when my wife does something that annoys me, <laughs> hypothetically, <laughs> and I can do a couple things with that. Like, okay, so when your roommate does something that annoys you, like whatever, whoever it is, and I can... I can like hold on to that and, and dwell on that and maybe let it slide this time, but I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm keeping track of that. So it's going to come up later. Um, or I can know, like even if it was a genuine wrong, like even if there was, there's no question about it, like it was a genuine wrong. Or I can say, Jesus... Like I can turn my eyes from, from that situation, from my own wants, my own needs, those, those things that we mentioned, like I need to have this, I need this, to, wow, like Jesus forgave me when I was only his enemy. I did nothing to 
to earn his love. Like, my wife's done a thousand thousand things to earn my love. And like, Jesus forgave me. I did nothing for that. And as I call that to mind, as Peter says, there's a purifying by our obedience to the truth. As I remember, call that to mind, it washes me and I'm actually now enabled to forgive. And not forgive in a way that's like, I'll let us, like, I'm going to forgive you this time, but remember how gracious I'm being. And you owe me one. You know, like, it's like a freeness. It's a freeness to forgive. So, okay. So, this is my challenge to you. To tease out those implications of how does a, a living hope, an actual hope, free me now to love? And how does all the realities of who Jesus is wash me from all those impurities to actually just set me free to run in his, his commandments, set me free to love one another? Sound good? I love you guys. I, I'd love to pray for, for God to work that in you all and in myself. Father, this is what the world is waiting for. Actual, real love. We talk so much about it, and we have so little capacity in ourselves to really do it when it comes down to it, when people hurt us. And we need, we need the washing, the power of your forgiveness, the hope you give us to love. We need you to set us free. And I pray, Lord, if this is for people who don't know you, that you would call them to yourself and your kindness would lead them to repentance and to to come to you and trust you. And I pray for those of us in here who are your disciples, your followers, who are looking to you, Jesus, that we would know that we are loved by our Father, forgiven by our Savior, filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit to offer every day back to you and to lead and love those around us in a way that imitates you, Jesus, with purity, gentleness, and strength. And again, we need you for that. And we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.